Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I am your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here as always with my wife and co-host, Catherine Wild Coker. How are you doing tonight, Catherine? I'm great. How are you? Doing really, really well, thanks. Here we are, back in the, the amphitheater, the arena that is the great room of our new house. We're sitting farther apart, farther than we've ever sat apart from each other. It is a little bit awkward, but I was just so cozy in this chair, and I've got Cass asleep on my lap, and I didn't want to move. So we're sort of staring at each other from afar as we chat. That's right. You're, in a, you're, you're, you're sitting for two right now. Yeah. I, Cass I'm, is on top of you. Mm-hmm. You're relaxing. I'm very comfortable. Relaxing, enjoying. I've got my glass of red, red wine over here. So we're back drinking some wine. You're back into ha- maybe having a glass every couple of days. Mm, it's enjoyable. It's fun. I've enjoyed wine. I've enjoyed a few beers, but it's nice to be actually enjoying it again, appreciating it. Because even though I was tasting when I was pregnant, it was just, it was not pleasurable in the least. And we're back with episode 64. Ooh. Of the long finish, this is episode 64. A bunch of great stuff in store. We're going to be talking about a chilled red wine that we think you're going to enjoy as the summer kind of kicks in the year. We creep closer to summer. Who knows what summer is anymore, you know? Well, here we don't. I don't know oh, what summer well, is. Global warming. Well, look, global knows? warming, LA. So great chilled wine to be enjoying as the temperature rises a little bit throughout the country. What are we drinking tonight, Catherine? We are drinking a wonderful wine from Corsica. This is Domaine Giacometti, the Sempre Contento Chacarello, or Chacarel, vintage 2018, Vin de France, but it is from the Patrimonio region in northern Corsica. It is fantastic. The label is so fun. You would buy it based on the label. That's right. <laughs> wine. But we'll get into it in a minute. I'm really enjoying it. And that's one of the reasons I picked the wine, because it looked like it would be fun. Because the label represents fun, I thought the wine would be fun. And Sempre Contento, the name of this wine, means always happy. Well, there you go. There you go. I mean, it's perfect time to drink in this wine. So we'll get to that wine in a minute. But of course, I'm sure all of you are here to catch up with what's going on in our life. Where we last left you, we have had a new baby. We have a new arrival. Cass, we told you about that last week. Right, right, right. And now... I'm like, what day is it? Who are we? I know, exactly. I'm looking <laughs> at Catherine, like, staring <laughs> me like a deer in the headlights. What's going on? Who am I? But now, both of our sets of parents have left. So yes, now we're alone. Yes, exactly. We're totally alone here. Yeah. Except we do have the help of our domestic engineer, Brando, coming oh, in clutch. Thank God. Thank <laughs> God. We would be just absolute toast without him. Oh, who made us some amazing biscuits that we had tonight with yes. our dinner. Oh. So, Catherine, can I get your thoughts on what the first three weeks have been with this new addition, boy number three in the family? Well, just to speak for him, my birthday buddy here, Cassidy James, Cass, he is a wonderful baby. He's just a little dreamboat baby. He's sleeping well. He's eating well. He cries a little bit. When, you know, he's hungry or he's having his diaper changed and he doesn't like it. But he is a wonderful baby. And it's just been a joy. I mean, I'm kind of in that love at first sight, like 
lost in his eyes kind of moment right now. I don't know what that is. It's like the newlywed phase of a relationship. That's what I'm saying. In the newlywed phase of you're with your baby. Yeah. And and there's just this glow after being pregnant for so long. Um, Glow is not the right word. You're just sort of like, oh, this relief and this like joy in finally meeting this person and being with him all day rather than him being inside my tummy. So... It's been really fun. And and there's just something special about a newborn. Like, they're from another planet. You know, they're n- just from a different realm. And they come here and they just opening their eyes is a big deal. All the tiny movements are a big deal. I could just watch him for hours. But then I have to, like, protect him from the other kids that want to, like, just bop him on the head or something. Well, it's they a good thing. It's a good too, thing but. that you could watch him for hours because that's what you're doing. That's my job. It's literally what you're doing. I mean, I'm feeding him 12 hours a day and holding him on that. Yeah. Or more. That's what I'm doing all day. So I am. It's a good thing I'm in love with him. Now it's been a while since we've rated our nights, bedtime, and sleeps. We might need to get back to that. But. We'll just do a general overview. What are your thoughts on how we've been sleeping with these three kids? The first thing I'll say, just to interject, we have a queen-size bed. But now we're running through a little habit of both of our older kids coming in to try to sleep with us in the middle of the night. And we realize that our bed is just not big enough. Well, even if we're walking them back, there is some overlap sometimes. There is. Okay, the little one comes in. Quinn, the two-and-a-half-year-old, comes in. He settles down from whatever had been bothering him. We're about to take him back, and then the five-year-old comes in, and he wants to cuddle because some other reason, and then, so then there's too many, and then they don't, the, no one wants to be the first one to leave, and it's just a little awkward. Not like I want all of us to be sleeping in the same bed, but there are those moments of overlap. I will say, however, last night, no one was in there, and it was great. Great. Great night. And I think the sleeping has been better than we expected, which we needed so bad because our our second, our middle child was just the worst. As you all know, you went through it with us, the worst sleeper. He's still the worst sleeper, but we needed someone to kind of buoy us with some nights. And this child seems to be doing that. Hopefully we'll have uh, continued better nights to come. But um, I'm, I think we're both, we, we would agree we're sleeping probably a little better, knock on wood, than we knocked on some wood there than we hoped. Definitely. Uh Oh, I'm so sorry, honey. What's the latest with uh, with Esther's? Obviously, there's a lot of conversation in California that we will be going back to full reinstated. Reinst- I don't know what that word is. We'll be fully reinstated in California going back to where we were pre-pandemic, June 15th, I think is what I'm hearing. I don't know if that's going to be business to business sort of curated on how they work that occupancy, et cetera. But what are your thoughts about how Estrus is going as people ramp back up? I'll say I've been to Estrus a couple times. It's been really exciting to people come back, to see people come back ready to have fun, excited about being outside still. There is some inside dining, which people are doing. Admittedly, slower than outdoor dining. But it has been fun to see people out and ready to to like sort of see people again, enjoy wine and food. And Plus, we have a new menu, which we're excited about. That's what's been so awesome, too. We have been working with a new consulting chef, Chef Lisa Giffen, who came to us through our wonderful manager Vi and she had some great experience working in kitchens 
that don't have hoods, all electric kitchens. And those restrictions always made her feel more creative. And she really made a name for herself, specifically with Maison Premier in Brooklyn, that had no hood as well, tiny kitchen. And so she really saw Esther's as such an opportunity and saw things in such a different way than anyone that we've worked with in the past. And I love the new menu. So creative, so many delicious things. It's been so cool to see how customers are responding to that too. It's exciting to see some of the food come out that it's that really embraces Santa Monica Farmer's Market. French-inspired. Um, and, and to, to be our credit, like when we were going through the winter, we, our dishes were a little heavier, and now it's finally coming out to springtime. We're getting more vegetable forward. It's lighter. Uh, great use of fish. It's really exciting. If anyone went to where she worked in Brooklyn, Maison Premier, Catherine and I have been several times over the years. It's It was awesome. And we're so excited to have this menu be presented at Esther's. So if you're in Santa Monica, come check it out and taste what we're so excited about. So a lot of good things happening over at Esther's. And one of the wines that you could be drinking at Esther's is the wine that we're drinking tonight. As Catherine said many times over in her prognostications, she thinks chilled red wines are a thing. They're obviously a thing. We're fully embracing it. And this is a great representative of that. Last summer, we could not keep them stocked on the shelves. I'm sure it will be the same this summer. It's it's full on. But I was so excited about this because it's not every day that you find a wine that you buy based on the label and it actually tastes as delicious as well. And it's from Corsica, which is a very high on my list of places that I want to visit. I feel like I say that every week. I do, unless I've been to the place. But if you have seen pictures or if you Google it, you will want to start your own Pinterest page for Corsica because it is breathtakingly beautiful. Island south of France, but it's a little bit closer to Italy, closer to Sardinia, and has a long history of being very, very proud of its own history and doesn't want to be just French. They have their own language. They have their own culture. Wine there has been wine there for thousands of years. The Romans, the Phoenicians, and it was kind of out with phylloxera. But really in the seven... Phylloxera being, remind people. Oh, the root eating the little bug that just killed vines throughout Europe and the United States. So that happened in the 19th century. And there really wasn't any wine up through the world wars. Then really it was like in the 60s and 70s, there started to become this movement of getting back into wine and a focus on native varieties in Corsica and what was really true Corsican wine because there had been a boom there in wine a little after the Second World War. And so the Domaine Giacometti was started by Laurent Giacometti and his son Christian who moved to the northern part of the island Patrimonio is the is the region the wine region in 1987 and they took over some vineyards there so that's the brief history Laurent Giacometti and his son Christian they started this estate in 1987 and Christian and his wife took over the business in 97 and then now they're handing it over to their kids, Sarah and Simon. And as I said, they're in the northern part of the island. There are nine wine regions around Corsica. This is Patrimonio. Now this is not labeled as Patrimonio. It's labeled as Vin de France. I'll get to that in a second, but that's the region it's from. 
So Corsica, if you've been there, you know, if you've seen pictures, a lot of it is super rugged. The beaches are amazing. The coastline is so breathtakingly beautiful, but everywhere there are mountains in the middle and the vineyards are really high elevation. There's so much variety in terms of the soil. There's schist, there's granite, there's clay, there's limestone, all things that are great for wine. And one of the big things is the maquis. It is this really specific, wild, evergreen underbrush. You can smell it everywhere in Corsica. It's wildflowers, it's scrub brush, it's trees. There's tons of herbs, rosemary, sage, thyme. So this just like is in the air all the time. And this wine is very reminiscent of that, which is why I'm mentioning it. There's also winds everywhere, keeping everything kind of dry. And this is from an organic biodynamic estate. Winds are very helpful with that because they blow away mold and other things that could be living on the vines. And as I mentioned before, there was this movement towards native grape varieties. And They are varieties that are native to Corsica, but they do have relationships with varieties in other places. So, for example, this wine is 100% Chacarelu. I'm probably saying that wrong, although I did look it up like and how to pronounce it from various, various websites. That's what you do. Done it for years. That's what you do. Um, But it is related to the Italian grape variety of Mamolo, which is also not very known, but mostly in Tuscany. It's lighter in bodied. It's really herbaceous. It's floral. The main red variety that's mostly planted over the island is Neluchu. And that's the main variety in Patrimonio, where this is from as well. It's related to Sangiovese. So a little bit more fuller bodied. But these wines have nothing like they're just so different from the, the the Italian versions of these. And the white is Vermentino. So we're drinking this. It's definitely a natural wine. You can see that by the color. You can see that by the nose. It's, it's... The nose is the first thing that stands out to me mm-hmm. with this wine. Very interesting nose. Definitely a natural wine nose. Well, it's definitely, it's got this little barnyard thing. It's got sure. a funk. Mm-hmm. Underneath that is like black pepper and violets, all those like that underbrush I was talking about. This is full of that lavender, licorice, anise. It's so herbaceous and wild, but then it's got that funk factor as well. And the fruit is more like crunchy red fruit, but there's a juiciness to it as well. As you were talking, I was kind of doing a quick look at the history of Corsica. Very interesting place. I mean, I, I didn't know Corsica was related to France. I mean, it has ties to almost every country around the Mediterranean during its history. I mean, from Greece, Italy. I thought it was maybe tie, closer ties to Italy than it was to France. So well, it's closer. It is, yeah. So it's very interesting. That is, when you said Vin de France, it kind of really, really perked my ears. So you, you wanted to mention this Vin de France thing. Do you want to uh, expound on that? Well, the reason that it, it it is in the appellation of patrimonial, but in order to be labeled patrimonial, it has to be 100% um, Neluchu. And this isn't. This is the other grape. This is Shekarelu. And so it can't be labeled patrimonial. They have to label it as a table wine. Wine of France. Vin de France. Can you explain patrimonial? Patrimonio is one of the nine different appellations within Corsica. They're all different ones over the island. This is in the far north. It's actually in a, like, I mean, as I was saying before, the whole island is very rugged, but this is actually in an area that's 
called a desert. It's the aggregate desert. And if you Google it, you will see like amazing pictures, but it's crazy rugged. Like no one lives there. There's a tiny little town town there's like 12 people that live in it that's near where the winery is there's only one paved road i mean there's just there's like nothing there speaking of rugged in 2013 corsica had the highest murder rate in europe which were the result of family feuds between clans on the island and vendettas or revenge actions against insults against the honor of a family still had the highest murder rate in 2020 very wow. interesting. So that rugged, is. rugged landscape, rugged citizens. <laughs> I think I think they're pretty fierce about their their culture and where they come from, because I was reading something about how all the signs, road signs, you know, maps, whatever, are in Fran- French and the Corsican language. And most of the French language is blotted out by graffiti. <laughs> See, that's interesting. And probably like generations, millions of years of people uh, wanting to sort of own Corsica. The people of Corsica are probably like a little tired. They're a little tired of people coming. I'm generalizing here, but people, hey, enough. I'm going to have to fight you. <laughs> Leave me alone. Well, I think that's why also this movement of winemakers celebrating the native grapes of Corsica has stuck and really become something people are attracted to because even if the grapes are like grapes from other countries, they're so, so special and specific. And this group of winemakers that really started that movement knew that or they wanted to celebrate where they're from or not where they're from because some of them weren't from there, but they wanted to celebrate the island. I'll tell you who's from there. Napoleon Bonaparte. Who is pretty fierce. Yeah. This wine is just getting so delicious. The mouthfeel is juicy. It's light. But then on the finish, there is some tannin. It just lingers on your tongue. It reminds you that, no, there's a little grip here. There's a little seriousness here. It has a nice, firm finish for being a light wine. I agree with you. I think the nose evokes more of a natural wine. But when you start to taste the wine, you're like, this is not as that whimsical of wine. It's a little more serious. It is a little more serious. It's kind of a cool balance. You get the fun label, fun nose, but the wine feels like we're, it's it's almost like the people of course are being like we're we're legitimate. We're our own people. It's kind of what the wine's doing at the same time. Enough blanketing statements of people of Corsica. Well, it's fun that we get these wines now. I think even 10 years ago, there weren't as many Corsican wines on the market. Really, Kermit, this is imported by Kermit Lynch, and he has the most and the best in the market. He got there first. And, you know, they've been around for years, but more and more are becoming available. And somehow, they're never inexpensive wines, but if they feel, like, approachable at this moment, whereas maybe they didn't 20 years ago. Well, let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about how you approach wines like these. Let's talk about pairings for food, etc. What are your thoughts on putting together a dish or a bite for a wine like this? Well, that black pepper and the wild herbs, anise, those are really sticking out to me. I was thinking about that roasted pork tenderloin we had last night with all the herbs. But this is a lighter wine. I think you could even do like fish and papillote with tons of herbs, you know, like some kind of baked fish um, with tons of herbs. You could do like a seafood stew even. You could do some great with a charcuterie board, salami, prosciutto, 
cheeses. You know, totally see the charcuterie. Something like, uh, and I was told from actually one of our wine club members who went to Corsica that they have the best charcuterie he's ever tasted. I believe that. They use the bodies of um, their enemies and turn them into charcuterie. You're really going down this lane. <laughs> it's Wikipedia. They're, it's never wrong. Um, <laughs> where do you get this wine? And how, or I know we can get it at Esther's, I believe, correct? Yes. But how do you recommend steering people towards this wine or wines of Corsica at their local wine stores? Well, I would just say, yeah, get try to get into some wine from Corsica. They're not that many. There just aren't. So if they have any, grab them. The, as I said, the whites are going to be Vermentino. The reds are these Nerellu and Cecarellu. So whatever they have, get into it. I'll also say this. If Kermit Lynch is one of the great importers of the world, if you go to a local wine store and you see Kermit Lynch wines, ask the buyer there, say, hey, can you bring in some Corsican wines? Or do you have any wines from Corsica that, exactly. uh, from, from Kermit Lynch? Because Kermit Lynch is a part of the creme de la creme. He's got the best Corsican wines right now. We go back to the, you know, reverts of previous episodes. We talk about turning the label around and looking for importers. If you enjoy that wine, who's bringing that wine in? How can you find more of that importer's wines? Do that with Kermit Lynch to find wines of Corsica. This wine's cool. I think this wine's really cool because it's it's part playful, part serious, but delicious as a chilled red wine and a great way to kind of be uh, where we are now, in the which is sort of the late spring into the first moments of summer. I will say something about the chilled reds for a second too. Like this we had in the refrigerator and right now, I don't know, 45 minutes after you took it out, it's the it feels like the perfect temperature. So a chilled red is not total refrigerator cold. It's not like a white cold, but it's not room temp. It's sort of in the middle, ideally. I like that. All right, now let's get into what has been inspiring us this week. I'm going to go first because... I'm still riding the high of my man, Phil Mickelson, winning his sixth major championship in the sport of golf, winning the PGA Championship. Why is this inspiring? Because he's the oldest golfer to ever win a major championship. He's 50 years old. This sport's been played for 150 years. No one's ever done it. Phil's the first to do it as a 50-year-old. I think he said some great things, too, about people being like, you have, you can still do anything at this age. You just have to be willing to work a little bit harder. And maybe um, he started fast. He started doing some changes to his body. He would fast for 36 hours. He started to focus on his mental game where he said he, at one point he couldn't really focus for all 18 holes. So he started playing 27, 36 holes, 45 holes in a day to kind of maintain his focus. And I want to ask you live on the air, Catherine, I want to increase my focus. Can I start playing 27, 36, 45 holes a day? What say you? No. Okay, moving on. Um, <laughs> but I am inspired by Phil. He's, he's like just a, the classic showman, a great ambassador for the game. He, he is just watching his round was so – it was like the reason I love sport. Like I've been watching Phil Mickelson play golf for almost 30 years. So we bring all the baggage – with us it's like watching truman show where you're watching truman trying to get out of the world you know he's failed in the the brightest moments he's had some success he's had some issues on and off the course and all that is baked into my experience watching him play and just find that super super inspiring so congrats to phil mickelson inspiring me this week Catherine, 
What's inspiring you this week? Well, believe it or not, I've had a lot more time to read. I know you can't really believe this, but this <laughs> this is how I stay up at night when I have to get up for my nursing throughout the night. And, you know, when I'm up, I'm up for like an hour and I can't fall asleep. I mean, I need to stay awake and make sure that the baby is fed and then we go back to sleep. So I read. And this book that I read this past week, Jennifer Egan, she also wrote um, the Goon Squad. Visit from the Goon Squad. Visit from the Goon Squad. This is great called, book. This book was called The Keep, and it was dark and took a while to wind around, and serious and fascinating. Just ha- not a book I would normally pick off the shelf. But I don't know if you'll remember, or maybe we didn't even tell talk about it. Yes, we did talk about it last year. Tug got me a ten books. Uh, for my birthday from a bookstore from the last bookstore and they were books that I did not pick out and that I didn't know that much about and this is one of those books and I'm getting through those books now because I have the time and anyway she's a fantastic writer so creative and this was a really fascinating book it took me kind of to another world which is a pleasure right now for me that's awesome I love Jeff Regan's writing. I think I read A Visit from the Green Squad. I loved it. I'm about to read The Keep after you're done. Well, I am done. I'm reading it now then. Tonight. <laughs> Go for it. All right. That's it. That's it for episode 64 of The Long Finish. Episode 64 is in the books. Thank you to everyone for continuing to listen to the show. Ladies and gents, if you have an opportunity to rate, review, and subscribe to our show, it would mean the world to us. We have three kids now. We need those subscriptions. Don't make us don't make us beg. Just a little five star click. That's right. Just so the three our three kids aren't embarrassed by us. So go ahead and do that. Catherine, where can they find you and the long finish on social media? You can find me at Catherine Wild Coker on Instagram and sometimes on Facebook. And you can find the long finish at the long finish on Instagram and sometimes on Facebook. You can find the long finish on Twitter at TLF Pod. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tug Coker. And you can find the long finish wherever you get your podcasts. So hopefully you go out and catch up on some episodes you may have missed, but we're going to be out here with a few more episodes while our kids aren't overwhelming our life. So stay tuned for that. But thanks for staying with us this week. And we should be back with some more uh, episodes uh, in the weeks to come. Till then, have a great week and happy drinking. Ciao.